1: It's a test. It's a test. It's a test. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Testing Thursdays with Wayne Ivasic. Hope everybody had a great and wonderful and profitable and relaxing and all those other adjectives kind of week. I don't know if you've heard or not, but a lot of tornadoes are coming around the country. And uh, I'm here in northern-ish Maryland, northeast Maryland, uh, actually. And there was an F one tornado that touched ground about 30 miles north of where I live um on Saturday night. We had winds uh up to 70 to 75 miles an hour at one point, and this F one tornado was verified by whoever does that, National Weather Service, I'm not sure, on Saturday night. So where I live it was it felt like the whole thing was in a Wizard of Oz movie, you know, with the house moving and and shaking and whatnot, and the and the dogs getting a little irritable and nervous, and well, maybe probably scared too. But um, we had friends over that night at our house playing cards, and uh, the wind was so loud that we could, it was kind of kind of tough to hear each other talk. I'll be very honest with you; we we're getting a little little scared, and they finally issued a tornado warning. Um, of course, after the fact, you know, in Maryland, um, but, um, thank goodness nobody was hurt. Um, nobody was killed. Thank God. Um, I think the major damage was, a a, a couple of trees fell on a house, uh, way up, um, in the North part of the state, almost into, uh, Pennsylvania. Um, but again, nobody was injured. So, so that is the good thing. Knock on, knock on wood. So I, I hope where you are. The weather is is not terribly extreme. I know what's been going on uh, across the country, and it's kind of kind of scary to a degree. But um, this was the first winter that I can actually remember, uh, and I'm not young anymore. I'm sixty seven years old. Um, that there was literally no snow at the house, uh, not even a dusting. Now, if I traveled, you know, 20 miles away from where I live, yeah, there might be a bit dusting. But normally, my part of Maryland gets anywhere between, oh, a minimum of maybe six to eight inches, up to maybe a foot on an average. And we get most of our snow in the latter part of January, all of February, and um, parts of March. My birthday is mid-February. And there was always snow in the ground, it seemed, um, around my birthday, but not this year. Not last year either, if I can remember, it was afterwards, but um doesn't bode well for for things like water reservoirs and, and whatnot, and you know, drought and whatnot. I know y'all out in California know what I'm talking about there, but but anyhow, I completely am off topic. Uh so what are we gonna talk about today? Well, Something a little close to my heart, really. Um, the, the title of this little little diatribe is called "A CPO or Not CPO." You know that is the question. Um, as m- probably many of you know, um, I have I uh, started with Taylor ninety one, became a CPO in ninety seven, uh, became a CPO instructor, which is now called a PHTA. Um, assessment committee member, or a proctor. It's gone through so many name changes over the years. Um, I became uh, a, a, an instructor uh, in uh, 2003. In 2007, I was asked to become a member of that um, education committee. It was That's what it was called back then. Uh, the group of people that teach people how to teach the course, the instructor's course, affectionately known, and have been doing that uh, since 2007, um, it's a group of, I think, like 11 of us now that are spaced out across the country uh, and have different backgrounds, but we're all experienced CPOs and CPOs instructors. And the chairman of our, um, our little, little group um, has been around a long time also and uh, very effectively and efficiently and professionally guides us. Uh, on the committee, um, our evil group of bro- proctors, some people call it. Um, over the course of the low these many years, um, it's it's been uh, an interesting ride uh, as an instructor and as a CPO. Um, some of it good, most of it good, actually. So uh, the whole merger thing kind of was iffy, but anyhow. Again, I digress. I do that a lot, don't I? I'm sorry. Okay, so. I guess what I'm going to talk about today is um, why should someone become a certified pool operator, a CPO? Um, what is important so that what is it that's so important to get this kind of certification? Well, a couple of things kind of kind of play into that into the answer for that question. Uh, one is if you're working on public or a commercial um, pool or spa, even semi-public, um, depending upon where you live, some type of certification, whether it's CPO or some other state-approved um, uh, uh, coursework, uh, is required uh, by health by, by your local state code. Right now in the USA, and this is really sobering, there are 17 states, 17 states, that do not require any kind of certification whatsoever to treat a public pool. Uh, And I'm going to name them. Um, We've got Washington, D.C. We've got Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Tennessee, Indiana, Illinois, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Missouri, Kansas, North and South Dakota, Arizona, Washington, Hawaii, Rhode Island, and believe it or not, California those states do not require any kind of certification or knowledge whatsoever Now seven states don't require certification but they require knowledge Now that can that's a really generic um, uh, word there you know what kind of knowledge did they take a course at a trade show or online or something like that It's going to depend on the state right now seven states just require knowledge, period. No kind of certification, nothing else. And you're looking at Vermont, Connecticut, Virginia, Ohio, um, Michigan, uh, Arizona, and Oklahoma. All the other states require some kind of certification or uh, CPO, uh, either one. In fact, CPO is actually written in the code of a number of states um, in the country. I'm get some better light here. There we go. You can see my pretty face. (laughs) So... Um. Why would you consider? Well, let's put it this way: Who should become a CPO? Well, obviously, if you work on a commercial property, a public property, a semi-public property, property, you should become certified because the CPO program um, is pretty comprehensive, uh, meaning it covers a a good gamut of topics involved in recreational water. I mean, you're talking. You know, not, not just chemistry and testing, which is what, you know, my thing is, um, but, you know, pumps and filters, air circulation, hydraulics, electricity, uh, feeders, uh, uh, filtration, you, you name it, facility management. It covers a, a lot of things, okay, so much so that you have a well-rounded knowledge base. Now, in the program, for those of you who have taken CPO, you know that, yeah, the exam that you take in order to see if you pass the course is an open book exam, okay? Not the most difficult exam in the world. If you can look up information in a book, you pass the course pretty much, okay? We, as an instructor, we don't make it our job to flunk people, we make it our job to understand why they're taking the course, and and what resources they have to answer questions. Because the uh, the course itself and the manual and all the other uh, information that comes with the CPO course, um, it is is perfect reference material. Now, you know some of the ranges for chemicals and um, some of the things might be a little bit different than what your particular state or jurisdiction allows, but. They're close enough most of the time so that the recommendations that the CPO program has is, is going to match what you have for the most part. But the thing is, you know, the, you, take, you take the class. Now, I just finished teaching a class in Bud Lake, New Jersey from those people from that area. Uh, it was a really nice class. It was small. We had nine people, had a health official in, in the class wait a minute, what's a health official doing in a CPO class? That's a really darn good question because let me tell you, I'd love to have health officials take the CPO course because then they know what a CPO operator should know when um, supervising or dealing with public pools and spas um, or semi-public or anything that has to do with the public and water. Um, the health department is it has... Has a good handle, for the most part, on you know the knowledge base of the people who are operating the equipment. Now, the health of the health department that they work for, you now manpower is short. Yeah, I know that. I get that. And you might only visit a pool maybe once a, a season, or once or twice a year if it's within if it's year round. Um, but that's that's a staffing thing. That's not a a you know do you need to have certification thing. Uh, so right off the bat, who should become a CPO? Boom, health official. Um, I have taught many health officials over the years. I have taught many health officials who have taken the instructor's course over the years. Now, we're really happy to see that because they can go back and teach their staff, uh, which is what's happened in a number of cases. Um, but a health official is it has a unique perspective on things that your regular operator may or may not have. And that health official, he or she has the ability to, um, well, not only the ability to identify a problem because of their training, because of their background, because of the certification course they took or courses they took, they'll they'll know how to identify it, address it, suggest a a problem. Um, You know, it it, it depends on what kind of relationship you have. So definitely health official then who else should become a health official? Well, really anybody that that deals with that particular facility. So you're talking uh, facility managers, you're talking lifeguards, you're talking your aquatic staff, your aquatic maintenance staff. Um, You're talking anybody really who has their hand or toe in the water uh, that would have to deal with it in some way, shape, or form. Now, there are some states... That um, it, it's kind of a, a little bit of a weird situation. Um, for example, Pennsylvania, and I believe one other state does this too, but I'm not sure which one. I want to say it's Washington, the state of Washington it could be Oregon, but I'm pretty sure it's one of those two. But anyhow, definitely the state of Pennsylvania, since they classify chlorine as a pesticide, okay, you have to uh, as a as a commercial pool or spa operator. You or, or or working in that department, you have to take a course under the Certified Pesticide Control Act in, in the state of Pennsylvania, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I see if you phrase that correctly, uh, which means that in Pennsylvania, because chlorine is classified as a pesticide, you in order to handle chlorine, and by handling, I mean literally picking it up, picking the bag or the tablets, a uh, bucket up and adding it to the water, however it's added, you have to have a certified pesticide control certification license. You are not allowed to touch any kind of chlorine product unless you have that certification. If it if the health department finds out somebody did and didn't do that, they're in big-time trouble. Now, what that also means is that in Pennsylvania um, – Yeah, you've got that certification, that pesticide control certification. You can oversee somebody doing it or do it yourself. You can't just say, okay, no, Joe, Joe Smith, go add, you know, uh, 20 pounds of of Cal Hypo to the pool and then walk away. No, you can't do that. You got to watch them do that. Okay. So there's an extra layer. Um, Some of the other states might not be as strict, um, but. Again, it depends on on where you are and what your local code is telling you. But pretty much anybody involved with water should take the CPO program. Now, those of you who live in areas where the pool season is pretty much year-round, so I'm talking Florida, I'm talking Texas to a degree, Southern California, southern parts of Arizona, New Mexico, that kind of thing, the Gulf states, um, that's a little bit different uh, in that um, you're talking a, a, a facility number one that's open all year round. So you're talking staffing issues. Uh, you're talking uh, large staffing issues. you're talking large number of people who might have to operate that that facility. Um, and the reason I say that is that the the program itself is not inexpensive. I mean, it does cost, um, but is it worth the certification? Absolutely, okay. You want that certification to show to the customers, the people, to the attorneys. Mm, ding, 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 ding. I'll address that in a moment. To, to anybody really who who um, operates the pool, they want to know. For example, what if there was an accident? Okay, and um, your facility gets sued okay it's unfortunate but we are a litigious society and we tend to like to sue people um, your 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 certification your credentials your background your educational background in the facility is going to be critical in 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 a court of law yes you took this course yes it's good for 5 years yes you certify every 5 years or recertify every 5 years um, that's a good thing and, and it's more important because uh, honestly, a, a jury or the, a, a judge is going to take more care in, uh, in understanding your background and your knowledge base versus somebody who just was, got hired off the street as an 18-year-old high school student, you know, and was told to clean out the filters, you know, add chlorine and that kind of thing, and who is not certified. Um, that doesn't bode well for a facility. So you want something that you want to have something attached to your name uh, that shows that you, you know what you're talking about, or at least act like you know what you're talking about, honestly. So that's where CPO um, um, comes comes into play. Uh, the other good thing about CPO that, that I like is that um, it, it belongs to you and not the company you work for. Yeah, so what does that mean? Well, say you you move from Maryland to uh, Oregon, okay? That CPO comes with you, and since Oregon, uh, I, I think it's Oregon's on my list. Yeah, yeah, Oh, the list. Oregon requires CPO or something similar. Uh, it, you're going to show that, and you get a job at a public facility. Your CPO is valid there, as it would be back over on the East Coast where you're from. So it travels with you. Now, the other good thing about CPO is that it's offered all over the place. Um, I think we have something like, well, PHDA says there's like over 600 instructors, but I'll be honest with you, I think of that number, quite honestly, there are only maybe 400 or so that are really active instructors. And by an active instructor, I mean, they teach at least one course uh, every year of at least 10 students in a class. So you make know, two, two classes of five, that equals 10, that kind of thing. Uh, and the reason we do that is that we don't want an instructor to kind of lapse for two years or longer uh, because technology and information changes. The manual is updated every two years. The, the questions are updated every two years. The PowerPoints are updated every two years. So it's important that the instructor know about this uh, on the CPO uh, that the operator knows about this too, so they're aware of any technological advances that could be beneficial for their facility. Um, so you've got you've got CPOs all over the place. Uh, you've got instructors all over the place. How do you teach the course, or or how do you take the course? Well, pre COVID, when life was normal, kind of. Um, it was in-person classes um, held all over the country. All, in fact, internationally. In fact, we have CPOs in 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 uh, Europe, in uh, Bulgaria or rather Romania. Uh, we've got them in uh, Asia. Um, we've got a couple down in South America. Um, we've got a number of them throughout the the uh, Caribbean area. Um, so it, it's an, in Australia. It's an international. Um, a program um, now, even though they're you know places like Australia might be metric. Hey, it's still it's still the same course. You just change everything to metric instead of English imperial measurements. Um, so it is pretty wide ranging when you talk about um, access to the course. Now, when COVID came along, that kind of went <clears throat> and, you know slam the brakes on everything, and um, PHTA came up with a virtual class. Um, and uh, through Zoom or whatever kind of um, process you have. I mean, I'm using something called Riverside right now to, to, to do this uh, podcast for you. Um, that's just one, one piece of, of uh, software that's available for you. But however you do it, the uh, Zoom, cl- uh, Zoom class, a virtual class, um, was kind of unique and something a little bit different that not every instructor you know, embraced wholly, I, and I'll be very honest with you, I am one of them. I do not like virtual classes, um, but I understand because you lose that one-on-one connection that you get with a live student, with a live body sitting in front of you. I mean, maybe I've been doing this too long. Maybe I'm too old, guard. Um, but, you know, I embrace technology like everybody else. And um, when when I think that it's going to be beneficial for whatever reason, you have it. Uh, I understand the reason for having, for having, having, right. For having, um, tough to talk to that. It's Monday. <laughs> Go figure. Um, I'm taping this on a Monday, actually. Um, it's difficult to get that, you know, sender receiver kind of connection, um, on a virtual system. However, because of, because of COVID, uh, we had to, um, figure out the best way to, do a class, get that certification for the people who needed it. So virtual was, was born. Um, there's also a way to take the class online. That's not virtual. You kind of self-take um, a, a test uh, or class online, and then you go into class, uh, to a regular CPO class, a body, you know, body's in the room, body body's in the seat, butt's in the seat uh, type of class, and take the exam. Uh, so there are options. So why am I telling you all this, and why am I kind of rambling incoherently? I don't know. <laughs> it's because I can, I guess, as my podcast. It's Thursdays are mine. Um, I, I I get very angry um, at facilities that either don't have someone or some some people certified to run that facility. Um, there's too many things that could go wrong. And somebody on staff that has the, the training, the knowledge, the education, the background, the certification to, to identify a problem and fix it, I can't emphasize how critical that is. Um, you, you don't want equipment breakdowns. You want to be able to, to fix something if it's broken. You want, to, you want to know how many gallons of water you have in the pool or the spa. It's one of the things they teach I mean, CPO. A lot of CPO is math. Believe it or not. don't freak out, but it's math. You know, filter sizing, a um, uh, fresh air exchange rates, uh, uh, a whole slew of, of math involved in it. So it's still critical that that you know how to do this. Um, if you don't, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting your 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 company. You're hurting your facility. Most of all, you're hurting the people who use it. And um, I've I've run across some very how do I be kind on this? Stupid. No, I'm not going to be kind. Very stupid and ignorant people who work in some facilities. We've all encountered them uh, who really have no idea what they're doing. And because they have no idea what they're doing, they're, dam- they're causing more damage than being helpful. And that's what we want to avoid happening. We want to make these facilities as safe as is humanly possible to enjoy. You know, a happy customer is a good customer. Uh, that's pretty much what it all boils down to. So I'm I'm going to stop now uh, because I've rambled completely long enough. Um, if you have any questions about the CPO program or any other kind of certification program, uh, get in touch with me uh, or go to phta.org. Uh, you'll be able to get a lot of information off the website. You can shoot me an email to talkingpools at gmail.com. And I can um, get you can get the information to me that way. Um, But again, uh, I can't emphasize the importance of um, education, um, certification. And this is education that you even get at trade shows. I mean, I, I did seven to eight trade shows a year for three decades for Taylor. And taught at just about every trade show there was, taught one or two classes. Just to give you an example, over here on my side of the world, the Atlantic City Pool and Spa Show was every uh, last week in January, every year. I taught the basic water chemistry and testing class for the Atlantic City Show for the people at Nespa for 28 years in a row, 28 years in a row. Every time I gave that class, I at least had 150 people in that big room, the BAR, big ass room, um, te- taking this class, and it, it was it was amazing. And this was the day before the, the trade show even opened. They would still come. Yeah, a great, trade shows great source for education. There's other groups out there that that teach classes too. Uh, it, it, I'm going to name a couple. That, that these are not endorsements. They're just out there that I know about. You've got the Genesis programs, WaterShape university. Some manufacturers have their own educational section. So, you know, it's all out there someplace. Okay. You, you always, always be prepared to try to find something. Okay. If you're in an area where you can get to a trade show every year and they offer education, do it. That's the only thing I can recommend. So I've ranted enough. I'm oh wait a minute, got a finger wag. There you go. Finger wag at you guys. Uh everyone have a great, great, wonderful and safe week. And I'll be talking at you later. Take care. Bye bye.